So again, tonight we're going to be in Matthew chapter 7. As we're going forward in the Sermon on the Mount, we've come to that part where, you know, Jesus just left off with about, it's this or that. Last week was this or that. It's either you're thinking about earth or you're thinking about heaven. You know, you either see with the right perspective or you see with the wrong perspective. You either serve God or you serve mammon. And you're either living by faith or you're living in fear and anxiety. So it was the either or is what we really saw last week with the Lord as he was teaching these things. And that's where we left off. So we go forward from that famous text from Matthew 6.33 into chapter 7 where Jesus just keeps going. And he says this, judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it'll be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye? And look, a plank is in your own eye. Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you in pieces. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks find, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be open. Or what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, you do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Okay, so that's our text for tonight. And as last week was either or, tonight is cause and effect. That's the title of our message tonight. It's cause and effect. In these four segments, the fourth one being a summary, therefore what you would want men to do to you, you do to them, there's a cause and effect. Jesus is saying this cause equals this effect. And so it starts with judgment, and then it goes with uh, pearls before swine or holy things before dogs, and then it goes to uh, asking, knocking, and seeking. And the promise, what happens when you do that, cause and effect. And then how you treat others, you should treat others how you would want to be treated. So cause and effect. There we go. So that's what we're looking at tonight, this cause and effect. And isn't the Sermon on the Mount has been awesome. There's just such simplicity to it. There really is. And as I mentioned last week, when we began with the Beatitudes, I realized I don't really have them memorized. So I focused on memorizing the Beatitudes in the last few weeks. And and so I've been going over the Beatitudes once or twice a day in just meditation and thinking. And it's pretty cool, you know, like, so I start with this creation, origin, then I go to the law, the Ten Commandments, and I go to the Beatitudes, and I go to the fruit of the Spirit. And I just keep meditating on those four passages of Scripture. And the Beatitudes, and I've never seen this before, really is the key to understanding the Sermon on the Mount. Like, if, if we fulfill those eight Beatitudes, if we, blessed are the poor in spirit, we start with that. And for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And we end with, blessed are those who persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And we've got those bookends and those six beatitudes in there. Then we come to texts like this, and it's progressive is what I'm saying. It's progressive. If you get the beatitudes, what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, and he is teaching his disciples, when you read these passages, it's like, oh, this is just, this is just what you do. Like, this is just who you are and what you do. Like, if you're a really good athlete and you play high school sports, you're good at baseball, basketball, and football. 
It's what you do, or softball and soccer and lacrosse. Like you're, it's just who you are. You're really good. If you're a really good athlete, you're just really good at what you do. And if you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, what we read, read here in these passages, if we are the disciple of the Beatitudes and we're applying what we just read, the either or, it just, just gets rolling. So the first thing we see here is judge not, lest you be judged, for in the measure you judge, it'll be judged of you. That's a strong statement, right? About a month ago, Sam mentioned to me, I have this tendency where I talk about universal laws. You know, like gravity, of course, is a universal law physically, and we all understand gravity. If we're going to space, we got to understand gravity, how it works, go to the moon. you got to understand gravity. It's a universal law. And, of course, I talk quite often about sowing and reaping being a universal law. And sometimes I can make it sound impersonal. I say, like, well, the universe gives you exactly what you give it. So it sounds like I'm being impersonal, like God's not really in charge, but he's in charge of his universe. So if I ever say that, I'm saying, like, you know, the Lord's got his universe doing what it's doing. And when I say that the universe will give you back what you give it, I'm saying God the Father will give you back what you give it. He set up his universe, and it runs a certain way. And, and that's how it works. And we're at one of those profound laws of cause and effect right here. It is amazing and so simple that in the measure you judge, it will be judged of you. In God's universe, he has his perfect justice that the very standard by which we sit as judge and jury of other people with our opinions, our attitudes over their words, actions, and whatnot, whether it's spouses, adult children, relatives, uh, adult siblings, parents, co-workers, community, politicians, anything and everything in between, when we all, we form opinions because we have opinions and we have self-determination, so we naturally have an opinion about things. And we get these opinions about people and circumstances, and then they can become attitudes, and they can be good opinions and healthy opinions, or they can be unhealthy opinions. Obviously, like racism and sexism would be bad opinions that people would have, and the one who's a racist or a sexist they're just, well, in the measure they judge, it'll be judged of them. The very measure. I just think it's beautiful because God is light and him is no darkness at all. And there's no shadow of turning with the Father of lights. And I find it very comforting for me in my little speck of the universe that I'm in right now, sharing with you guys, that God holds me accountable with 8 billion people on the planet. And I look in the mirror. He holds me accountable for my opinions and attitudes about other people and how I judge them, and that's exactly what he's going to give back to me. And he does the same for you, too. He does it in general for humanity. Perhaps the greatest biblical example we're going to get in just a few weeks in Esther, where Haman, the number two man there in the empire, the Medo-Persian empire, he just wasn't satisfied to be number two. He didn't have to be number one because the king was number one, but he had to have uh, Mordecai, the Jew, bow to him, and Mordecai refused to bow to him, and this one thing just drove him nuts. And we read that he built the gallows. He built literally a hangman's gallow to hang Mordecai on it. And he brought in his carpenters and his people, and like the Wild West, he built the gallows. He built a big gallow, and he's like, that's where I'm going to hang, this guy that won't bow to me. And yet, in the irony of events, as you know the story from the book of Esther, he was hung on the very gallow he built. Both David and Solomon clearly or implied to us that when we dig a ditch, we ourselves will fall in it. And so it is. Which comes to the application that it's really good to our 
it's really good for us as disciples of Jesus Christ and even human beings. It's smart for, like, if you're an atheist, it's smart for you to understand this. But it doesn't do any good for eternity. But it does us good for time and eternity. So it's, of course, to be a disciple is what Jesus is teaching disciples. But it's just so good to realize, like, hey, I can make my life a lot better. I can make my future brighter. I can make my world better. And I can, I can make a good path before me if I just check my attitude and opinions and isms at the door and just let God humble me and let him run his universe. My life's going to go a lot better if I don't sit back in my mind as judge and jury of everybody and everything. Now, in Luke chapter 6, Jesus said, condemn not lest you be condemned. So he actually, in what's known as a sermon on the, the plain, that he actually added that to this element. And it's worth noting in context to this. In this universe, in the laws of the universe that our Abba Father has set up, body of Christ, we need to understand. As I've been thinking about origin, six days, young earth. Everything in order, seventh day, God rest. As I've been thinking about the Ten Commandments every day, the more I think about them, the more I embrace them and understand how important they are. Absolute law in the universe. Beatitudes, absolute discipleship. Fruit of the Spirit, absolute evidence of a spirit-filled person. And you realize that in that world for discipleship and all that we're existed for in our journey of life, each one of us individually, it's best to let God be the judge. Or as we read in Romans, let God be true and every man a liar. Because we all have opinions. And in the end, well, they're the cheapest thing on planet Earth because everyone's got one. And the more we, we curb them at the holy presence of the Lord, the better it is for us and the people we share the journey with. As you get older, you should get better at filtering your thoughts and your opinions and things that don't, don't need to be said. That's a mark of maturity. The first mark of maturity is not to even say it. The second one is to actually not even let it be embraced as a thought. It's like, it's not for me to say. It's, but we do that. So put this verse in front of all those things that we would want to pass judgment on. This is why I become way less political down the stretch in my life. I just don't have time to be judge and jury of either political party or independence or anything in between. What's it matter? They come and they go. It's important, but me not judging people is more important. Me obeying the Ten Commandments and the power of the Holy Spirit is way more important than who's in the White House or the governor of California. It's just way more important. That sounds selfish, but it's true. I can't determine that. <laughs> but I can sure determine how I affect the world in Jesus' name with my attitude toward other people. Early on in ministry, I had a very... I, I, I was pretty judgmental about a lot of things. I had very strong opinions about Brian Broderson, how a church should be governed, what a perfect church looks like, how planning churches when you start a new church, what that should look like. I had very strong opinions about other pastors and their ministries. I was very critical of people when they fell and at failure. And then in the end, you just... You just realize, I, I, I just, all those harsh judgments I had, particularly in the first 10 years of ministry, they just came back on me. They just came back on me. 
No one gets away with anything. So I just remind us, as disciples of Jesus Christ, Jesus says here in my red letter Bible, and the measure you judge, you will be judged. Not like you judge in this measure and you get a higher measure or a lesser measure, if you will. It's just incredible to think that you judge this way and that's exactly what God allows you to come back to you. Like, if you want to do this, then God's like, then you get this. It's a full boomerang. I'm going to judge this much. It's like, it comes back and hits you. I'm going to judge this much. Like, in the measure you give, in the measure you judge, you'll be judged. Very sobering. So take it from a 60-year-old. Don't judge. Don't judge and throw anyone under the bus. Be gracious, be merciful, be empathetic. Let God run his universe. And the sooner you come to that place in life, the better off you're going to be, for sure. Now, the second application is do not give what's holy to dogs and cast pearls before swine. This is, this is good. First of all, it's just random, right? Like, I mean, you read this text, like, oh, Joey, don't judge. I get it. Don't, you know, you got a plank in the eye, a speck in the eye, and all that stuff. But, like, what, what does it even mean? Like, if it even stood alone on its, play, on its own somewhere else in the New Testament, you go like, oh, okay, let's break this down like a proverb. But just where it lands right here is just like, oh, my goodness, what? It's, I'm just telling you, as a pastor, for 35 years, I'm like, oh, this is, even reading it for this week and, and preparing, it's like, what do those guys say about this verse again? I just, want, I just want to go back and review that. But I'll tell you, I was walking with my wife a couple weeks ago on the bike path, and we ran into Brian and Cheryl Broderson. Say, hey, Brian, Cheryl, how you doing? We start chit-chatting, which is always cool. Because we'd, we'd want to make time for it to see them, but it doesn't happen, so it was like, it worked out. But Brian and I were talking about some current event stuff. And I just mentioned, like, well, I saw this thing, because as you know, I don't really watch the news, but after all the stuff in Israel, bits and pieces. And I, I said, you know, like, I goes, Brian, it's just kind of crazy, like, but they're interviewing these college students. And, and I can't even believe, like, not one of them acknowledges what actually really happened. Like, they're in Ivy League schools. And they're denying that what happened in Israel happened. And he looked at me like Broderson does, like, hmm. And he goes, well, pearls before swine. I, I'm like, right. I'm like, I said, how do you even minister to people like that? How do, you even, how do you even have a dialogue with someone like that? Like, how do you even go forward? I mean, these people are supposed to be intellectual. And how, like, how do you even have a conversation? He's like, you don't. You don't have a conversation. You just, you recognize that you can't have a conversation and it's pearls before swine. And to even think that you're going to engage them and have a meaningful dialogue is a waste of time. I was like, yeah, no kidding, huh? Two 70 surfers on the bike path talking about Ivy League students that can't acknowledge reality on planet Earth in 2023. I guess you're right. Like, what can you do? There's nothing you can do. Brian's application of this text and that conversation to me is a good example for us. Or as we should tell our kids, some people don't get it, but they will, so we always pray for them. Some people don't get it, and they never will. And you still pray for them because you don't know who's never going to get it. But as you get wiser in life, you realize they don't get it, and you're not called to try and make them get it. That's where you get smarter. That's where you get wiser. And if you go through the Proverbs every day, you'll just be reminded through 31 Proverbs maybe eight times a year as you go through it, or ten times a year, that any fool can prattle on with his mouth in folly. 
but even a fool's kind of wise when they hold their peace. And really, the key word in this second application is holy. That's what really gets my attention. So do not give that which is holy to the dogs or cast your pearls before swine. Now, those are both offensive terminologies for Jewish people in the context who are under the law, uh, the law of God at the time Jesus taught this. You know, the dogs lick Jezebel's blood, right? Pigs are pigs. They're unclean, you know, they're the worst. They're the worst. They're just super unclean. So they really represent like, ah. And and Jesus compares that which is holy. Think of the word, holy. That's an important word, holy. He compares, he says what's holy, you, you don't give it to dogs who will trample it. If you ever give good food to your dogs, like I'm like, Fitz, I sure hope you appreciate this steak. This is not turkey burger right here. Turkey burger is $4.99 a pound at Trader Joe's. This steak fits. Fitz, this steak was like, you know, $13 a pound or whatever. Like, it just cost 23 bucks at Costco. You know, Fitz, this is really good. You understand? He's like, <laughs> yeah, 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 you know. Like, I don't know if Fitz understands the difference between $5 turkey burger and $20 steak. But we certainly should understand the difference between holy and unholy. But you know, there's many people that don't understand the difference between holy and unholy, do they? They don't appreciate holiness. They don't understand the beauty of the cross. As Paul said to the Corinthians, it's foolishness to them. It's foolishness. But to us who are being saved, it's the wisdom of God and the power of God. When I first got saved in 1987, we were involved in a lot of outreaches and stuff. And I really went out there sharing my faith at the beach and all these different things. And it just amazed me, like, how, how resistant some people are to the gospel. Just how hardened. And what we realize in this passage about holiness is what, when you're born of the Spirit and you're drawn to Christ and you're going as a disciple, you're drawn to holy things. You may not be there right away, but it's, the Spirit's moving you toward, because he's the Holy Spirit, and he's moving you toward holy things, making us like Christ. But some people are completely repelled by holy things. They're uninterested. They have, they're carnal people. They're, they're not interested in what you have to say or what you have to share. And in some cases, you might be called to share something or exhort them or give a word or whatever. But, you know, you got a co-worker that's just pushing your buttons every day for three years with the gospel and current events. You know, there's just no, like, what to what? Sean Thompson, the great pro surfer, Pipe Masters champion, world champion. Actually, a very good friend of mine. World-famous speaker, too. He's a motivational speaker, and he's Jewish. His dad fought for the Israeli army and also fought in World War II um, for the Allied forces. So he's, of course, been very upset by recent events, and he's posted stuff. And it's amazing to me the, the hateful comments on his Instagram that people have. And they're so hateful, and the sum total of that hate is that you don't, you shouldn't even be alive. This is Sean Thompson, who has, you know, buried a 16-year-old son and has done more for humanity in his Jewish faith than most people I know with Christian faith. Now, he needs to be saved through faith in Jesus, and I've told him that. But you got to appreciate people who live their faith out to the benefit of humanity, even if they don't believe what we believe. Because a lot of people believe the right thing, but they don't do anything for humanity, Right? You follow me? But like you just, you just realize in the situation with Sean Thompson, I look at all these comments. I'm like, 
How do you even reason with these people? Well, you don't. He posted a Veterans Day post about his dad. And it was just attacked by all these people out of their minds. Israel's right to exist is a holy thing. It's not a, a social thing. It's a holy thing. And I'm in Genesis right now, and God promised the land to Abraham and his descendants forever. And I want to tell everyone on a post, hey, listen, this is the way it works out. All these people that hate him, they're all going to come together. Megiddo, northern region, right where Hezbollah has all their missiles pointed, right there is the end of the world. That's Armageddon right there. And Russia, Persia, Iran, Syria, they'll all come, those kings. They're all going to come there. And when they finally think they defeated Israel, Jesus shows up, and that's game over. And we reign with Jesus. I don't need to post it, but I thought it. Well, I'm not going to cast my pearls before swine. But I know that. And you probably know that. It's a tricky thing. Sometimes you just really want to say what needs to be said. But then, what's there to say? When people throw a track back at you or whatever, throw something in your face? Huh? What, you going to pick a fight with them? You just like, oh, you just pick it up and okay, that was that. First time I saw tracks with my name on it, you know, this event with Joey Brand, I see it in the trash, you're like, well, that kind of hurts. But really, it's like, this is what they did to Jesus, and he's the Lord of, King of, Lord of Lords and King of Kings. It's just like, it is what it is. But what Jesus is saying here, like, look, he's holy, the world's carnal. And we have this treasure in earthen vessels, we're told the Holy Spirit in us. And we have this gospel message, and we want to take it to all nations, like the Great Commission says. But that doesn't mean beating our head against the wall with someone who has really no interest in what we're sharing and what we're about. And if someone's just looking to critique us and tear us down, and the devil's using them at work to beat us down and discourage us, you know, you just do, it, do your best job as unto the Lord. You cannot let those people in your headspace and take which is holy to you and, and feed it to pigs that devour it. That's what Jesus says. I read in, in my devotion this morning, I was in Exodus 3, where God says to Moses, take your sandals off, you're on holy ground. That, I was like, you know, like, I mean, I grew up in the 60s like you guys. I watched Cecil B. DeMille's Ten Commandments. Like, you know, I always had the, the image of the movie, you know, <laughs> with Charlton Heston. Yeah, it's like, you know, like, you know, like there at the burning bush. And like, that's the image I have from it. But when I was reading that today, especially because I've been me meditating on the law every day, the Ten Commandments, like, man, Moses, like, oh, look, the bush is burned. Let's go check it out. And then the Lord's like, Take your shoes off. This is holy ground. Don't come closer. It's like, whoa. God is holy. Man is sinful. And there's one meter between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. So praise the Lord that Jesus is our Savior to be that mediator for us, for sinful men and women with a holy God. Uh, we should treasure that which is holy. We should value that which is holy because our future is holy. Holy means set apart and without defilement. Eternity is holy. And if our treasures are in heaven, we're moving toward holiness. Less carnality, more holiness. And we should value it. But not everyone values it. In fact, we'll see next week, it's a narrow gate. So the minority actually values it, not the majority. What can you do? Holiness is a heavenly language for heavenly people with a heavenly calling. And the cackle and the folly of fools is the language of fools 
for carnal people that live and act like dogs and pigs, which was us. So we want to have empathy on people. We want to love people, and we want to minister and encourage people. But Jesus, in the midst of saying, don't judge, you know what he's saying? But don't be afraid to discern. Don't judge, for the measure you judge, I'll be judging you, but don't leave the discernment, you know, at the front door. Because we need to discern. And even we see that Jesus said to shake the dust off your feet. And in the book of Acts, there's times they just shake the dust off your feet. And you don't, you don't have to get the last word in. You don't have to be proven right. Sometimes you just shake the dust off your feet and you just go forward and move on and wish people blessings upon their lives and as much as you can, the peace be with them. But it's not our job to convert pigs and dogs. That's something the Holy Spirit has to do. And there's just a point where we realize, like, there's nothing more here. The third thing we see is to ask, seek, and knock. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. <laughs> that's, that's worth highlighting. That's a pretty special promise right there from Jesus to his disciples. Isn't that wonderful? It'd be one thing if your dad and mom who love you said that to you. <laughs> It'd be another if, you know, great politician said that to you. This is Jesus saying it to you. This promise, like all those promises of God, has full, complete authority from God himself, who is a father of lights and has no shadow of turning, and it's impossible for him to lie because it's contrary to his nature. So we're told, cause and effect, because if we make time and we care and we ask and we seek and we knock, if we ask and we seek and we knock, Jesus is promising this to his disciples. If we ask and we seek and we knock, it will be given to us. It will be open to us. And we will find it. This is very comforting because we're called to live by faith. And we walk by faith. And faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence not yet seen. And since we live by faith, we don't know. Because once you know and understand it, Faith is no longer in play because you have a, an understanding of it in, in that capacity. And our whole journey involves faith to the last breath of life, the faith to step into eternity and go to glory and know that Jesus is coming for us. So in a life of faith, where there's so many things we don't know about our future, we were told in the previous chapter, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto us. Don't worry about tomorrow. Today's got its own thing. So in that, coming forward from that here, this wonderful promise. Everyone, not someone, not most people, not qualified people. He's teaching his disciples. Everyone who asks receives. And he who seeks find, and to him who knock will be open. Which brings up the question, if I'm seeking and knocking and asking, uh, but I'm not receiving it, what's going on? Right? Like, you know, because <laughs> we've all experienced that. In the early 80s, when I had all this kind of weird religion, I was in the prosperity doctrine for a while. And, uh, you know, the biggest house in Vista with the best view, I, I claimed that house. I did. I thank you, God, for giving me that house, that kind of stuff. And I was like, <laughs> But I did one better than that. I got a BMW uh, keychain because I was going to have a BMW. Like, that was, you know, this is the 80s, right? I have a BMW. And, and I claimed that BMW. 
I had enough money to go buy a BMW. That shows how stupid I was. You know, like looking back, I'm like, I could have just bought, leased it or something. You know, I could have figured out a way. But, but I, had that, I was like, but I never got the house on the hill. And I never got the BMW, which is fun. Instead, I got in a straitjacket. I went crazy fighting the Lord, right? Okay, so that's what that got me. So obviously, the asking and seeking and knocking, if we live like dogs and pigs, that doesn't apply. If our requests are based upon the lifestyles of dogs and pigs, that doesn't apply. But if we're kingdom thinking with the beatitude, blessed are the poor in spirit, for there's the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Now we're going in the right direction. That woman, that man, they're asking for kingdom things on behalf of the kingdom. We don't worry about what we're going to eat, what we're going to wear our body, or what tomorrow's going to bring. We're kingdom-minded. So yeah, we've got needs, food, shelter, healthy relationships, hopefully good health, good doctors when you need them. Like, we want all that stuff, and we're asking for that stuff. But we know when we ask according to God's will, we have what we've petitioned. Which, again, is kind of a paradoxical statement, because... Some things of God's will seem so obvious, but they don't seem to come to pass for us sometimes. Which reminds me of George Mueller from the 1800s in England who fed all the orphans. Because I occasionally share this story. When I read his biography, I read something very interesting that got my attention. Not only did he feed about 1,200 orphans every day by faith with no guaranteed income, inspiring people like from his peer group of England, I think like Charles Dickens and those kind of guys. But he prayed for, well, he did a lot for missionaries, including Hudson Taylor, but he, he prayed for some friends that didn't know the Lord. And there was four of them. And over a period of like four decades, that's a long time. That's, I've been a pastor for 35 years. He prayed for these four people. And one by one, over a period of time, they gave their lives to the Lord, which is pretty miraculous when you think about it, because who's even guaranteed to live a couple decades, let alone for four decades? But, but he never saw the last person come to a saving faith, because he himself died when he was 92. But the best part of the story is that person gave his life to Christ and committed his life to Christ at George Mueller's memorial there in Bristol, England, in like the last decade, like 1890s. Isn't that cool? He never saw that prayer answered. He, he labored in someone. He prayed for someone. You parents to pray for your adult kids. Listen to me. Escuchame. He, he prayed fervently for a lost soul for decades and never saw that person. Never saw that prayer answered. Not in time, space, and matter, but that prayer was answered when he was on the other side in eternity in the other dimension. That's a beautiful thing. I just wonder how much God wants to do our good Father in heaven, who, who has good thoughts for us, so for the future and hope, how many good things he really wants to do once we ask? What he wants to show us once we seek? And what he wants to open to us once we knock? And I ask myself at 62, how many things have I not received because I haven't asked? How many things have I not found because I haven't sought? And how many things have not been opened up to me because I didn't knock? See, Jesus opens a door that no man can close. And he closes a door that no man can open. And so he'll keep doors closed to our own benefit, yes. And he'll open the doors ultimately as we seek him. But since everyone who, who asks, knock, and seek, they find. Like, 
This is a wonderful promise. Maybe you're, at a, maybe you're in a situation, you're at like a crossroads right now, and you're not sure, like, Lord, like, could I find a whole other level in my asking, seeking, and knocking? And if I ask myself that, then it's worth you asking you that. It's worth asking. Like, maybe I just need to just... I found another gear, but maybe I need to find a whole lot more gears, and maybe we need to find more gears. I don't know. That's for each of us to figure out, I suppose. But I just know this. That's a wonderful promise. And so if we're asking for the right things, we're seeking the right things, and we're knocking on the right door... Jesus promises that he'll, he'll bring it to pass. So it goes back to delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you desires of your heart. So the key is aligning my thoughts and my world to his kingdom, because he's the king, and being more of a peacemaker and being called the sons of God, being more merciful and receiving more mercy. Like the more I can line up those beatitudes in my day-to-day life, then I feel like my seeking, asking, knocking is going to get better. Wouldn't you agree? Aren't you grateful that God makes things so simple? And he says, unless you have the faith of a child, you can by no means enter the kingdom. I'm like, oh my goodness. The older I get, I'm like, it gets simpler. Yeah, because I'm getting fuzzier. (laughs) So keep it simple. Seven days creation, 10 commandments, eight beatitudes, nine fruit of the spirit. I figure if I can hold on to those four things to the last day, that's a good thing. I want to add more, but. Seeking asking, knocking. When we're thinking about the Lord and his kingdom, seek first the kingdom of God, and we're thinking about people, which is why we're alive, is to think about people, then they'll they'll go. That promise will be applied. God will take care of everything. If you keep the Lord first and care about others and think of your neighbor, God will cover it. Which brings us to the final thing. It's the summary of these 11 verses. Therefore, uh, so the cause and effect is you ask and seek and knock for the right things. You're, it's promised to be given. And then this last closing statement that ties it together, uh, it's a summary. Uh, Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. So again, cause and effect. Jesus makes it simple. He's simplifying everything I just said. So this is the sum total in case we lose our way. Whatever you want men or women to do to you, you also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. So in the entire Old Testament, the, Ab- the Adamic covenant, the Noah covenant, the Abrahamic covenant, Mosaic covenant, the new covenant, the law and the prophets. Jesus said he fulfills the law and the prophets. The law and the prophets, that's the whole Old Testament. That's Genesis to Esther. That's Isaiah to Malachi. Like that's... It's all summarized in all the reading that you could read, 66 chapters of Isaiah, all the things we could read. It's summarized in this. Do for others what you want them to do for you. Which is interesting because we often say, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. So in other words, it's more of a negative. Hey, don't do that because you don't want someone doing that to you. Kind of like the judgment. Hey, don't judge because it's going to come back on you. But this is a positive, right? This is taking the initiative. And isn't that what the kingdom of God is all about? Isn't that what John 3.16 is about? God so loved the world, he gave his son. It's God solving problems. Moses didn't go looking for a burning bush. The burning bush found him. Hey, Moses, I hear the cry of my people. You tell them I am sent you. God takes the initiative. There's none who seeks after the Lord. No, not one. But he draws us to himself. 
and he takes the initiative. It's a beautiful thing. So for us, it's it, the, the kingdom living, the Sermon on the Mount, being a disciple, the Beatitudes, all this. It's to proactively approach each day of the calendar, November 11th, 2023, this day. It's to proactively approach each day in the quiet place in the morning, then you go out that door, that whatever you want others to do for you, you should do it for them. It's to be engaging and initiating. And if we're praying for his kingdom to come and his will be done on earth as in heaven, and if we ask for our forgiveness and we're reminded unless we forgive, we're not forgiven, back to previous chapter, then it just stands to reason that we're going to really be asking, we're going to be asking for, seeking, and knocking the right things, and we're just going to be those people that people like to be with. Now, obviously, some people don't want to be around the light. The light. We're the light of the world. We're the salt of the earth. We saw that back in chapter 5. But still, the person who lives like this is in peace, and they die in peace. They live in peace. They die in peace, and they're triumphant. So for me, it's just a great reminder. This is this therefore, because we love therefores in the Bible, because it summarizes things for us. And in the judge, not lest you be judge, and be discerning in how you treat holy things with people who don't care about them, and what you're asking for, seeking and knocking. Therefore, if you just do for others what you want them to do for you, it's, it's a simplification. And it, it, your life's going to be, if you just think of others, and proactively do for others what you want them to do for you, you're going to be blessed and good things are going to happen. It's going to be such good fruit. It's such, such good fruit. This is discipleship. This is the Sermon on the Mount. This is all red letters. And it's as applicable in 2023 as it was in AD 33. So Lord, guide us and give us wisdom. Give us strength and encouragement. Keep the playbook simple and shining for the Lord. And... Uh, thinking God's thoughts after him and we serve a holy God and he's for us and he wants to use us. So be encouraged and uh, get wiser, bear more fruit, grow in faith, be strong, stronger in the things of the Lord.